0: You are listening to Down Home. Me and Jay aren't back to our weekly episode schedule yet. That'll happen in February. In the meantime, enjoy this special conversation with our friend, John Orpheus. Based out of Toronto, but born and raised in Trinidad, John is a very talented, multicultural, musical artist and a published author. This is from John's website. His musical journey has taken him from the Caribbean bush to festivals across Canada and the US, to opening for Liam Gallagher on a UK tour. In this wide-ranging conversation, John talks about his inspiration for his recently published book, Saga Boy, and the accompanying album, Saga King. I'm Welcome to Down Home, the Nova Scotian experience from two Black men. I'm Derek Wise. And as always, we have Jay Jones. What's happening, soul people? And our guest this week after our hiatus, uh special guest is John Orpheus. John, how you doing, man?
1: I'm dope. I'm dope. <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. AKA Antonio Michael Downing, which is my, my author name. And as we're talking about the book, as well as the music, um, we should let the people know, but yeah, I feel blessed. I'm happy
2: to be here.
0: Yeah, Great. thanks for joining us, man. That's good. We, we know you're a busy man, so we, we will uh, head right into the questions, man. Now, yeah,
2: for sure.
0: Awesome. Now you moved to a small Ontario town at the age of 11. I can actually relate. I can relate because um, my mother moved me to Brockville, uh, Ontario at the age of eight. Yeah, I know. Isn't that something? (laughs) But um, I know. And I think we were the one of two Black families where there was a Nigerian family and us from Nova Scotia in the town. So, you know, I remember the feelings of isolation, like the loneliness. Uh, how did you deal with that back then?
1: Um, that change happened for me in the context of a lot of other changes. And so for me, it was an earth shattering. If I were a comic book character, that would be my origin story, like the, the, the fundamental conflict at the heart of my existence. Mm. Um, so it wasn't just moving to the small town, which was huge, right. but basically I was living in Trinidad on a one-road village in 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 essentially a rainforest in the bush, mm-hmm. and living with my grandmother, living in this cultural context and this this very uh, unique island post-colonial tropical existence multicultural existence and then my grandma dies she's gone the country is gone mm. all my family that I grew up around is gone all mm. my friends is gone all the culture even the way people spoke they spoke English but it was a very different um, form <laughs> of English it was hard for me to understand and the people are all different and they speak different and they think different and the assumptions are different. And so I literally, and this all happened to me within the span of a few hours, really. I I went to sleep in the, in the rainforest and I woke up in a blizzard and it happened to be in a small town. And so the small townness of it to be, you know, when I look back on it, because there were so many earth-shattering changes, I wonder if if I'd moved to like Scarborough, for example, or a place with more Black people, I came from a rural place and I went to another rural place.
0: Really? I wonder
1: if I'd gone to a really urban place, if that would have actually been more of a shock
0: because oh, I, I would you. have
1: had all the other changes and I would have had to adjust to a a very different way of life so oddly enough you know there are some realities of living in village life that hold true no matter where the village is and so there was oddly in a weird way there was consistency for me in that there was a bush but it was a different bush there were animals in it but there were different animals Mm -hmm. there were you know petty country uh, politics, but it was different petty country politics. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So yeah. so that was hard. But we were the only Black family in Wabagoon, Ontario, and probably, Wabagoon. I think, Dryden, probably in most of the towns in the area, not just that town. Damn. Um, it, it was a tall, stately Black woman. She about six foot tall, very religious. And these two little traumatized Trinidadian boys who just came out the bush... And right. and had never seen an apple, had never seen an icicle, and had damn well never seen a winter. Yeah, <laughs> and so, right. so that's the full context of that. Right, that sh- shock, it's shock to the yeah, system. that would be shocking, yeah. man. Absolute shocking. traumatic displacement shock.
0: Yeah. So Absolutely. The- the other stuff might have even seemed secondary at that point, then, man, like, um like, I like, again, drawing on my own experience, I remember literally fighting to get home, like, <laughs> like, literally going home, like, walking home, and having like a crowd of kids behind me, saying stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So even even that probably yeah. even seemed secondary to you, given all the other stuff that was going on, huh?
1: Yeah, and I definitely had that too. Just kind of people trying to other us and fight us. Definitely gotten into some fights just off off the fact that I was different and Mm -hmm. people didn't like that. Mm -hmm. Definitely name-calling, definitely. But yeah, I think you're right. The shock of the entire displacement was kind of you couldn't decide which part of it was the most consequential. Like even just my grandmother, the only parent I ever had mm-hmm. dying. If I had stayed in Trinidad and that happened, that would have been an earth shattering moment for me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And all of this was happening all at once. So how yeah. do you really pick it out? But in terms of being black, all the things you'd expect came with it, but it was compounded by all these these other further traumas really is what i call them because there's no other way you could describe it (laughs) like Mm -hmm. it was just very nothing i'd lived in my life could have prepared me for
2: all of those things less much at once yeah Yeah. especially being so being so young you know what i mean you don't have any coping mechanisms you know Mm -hmm. you only knew your grandmother and and what she brought to you and the love she brought to you and then you know like you say being pulled out of that environment into a totally new one you lose your identity Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and and you know what i think that was the coping mechanism is that she she taught me to sing and she taught me to love for words and to read and to write and those were the things i leaned on to find my way in Mm -hmm. in 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 effect that this time in my life these few hours you know couple days were was a shattering of everything Mm -hmm. and the only thing that could keep it together and put it back together were the, the gifts and the love she gave me him like no other then the soldiers came with their boots and their guns while the children played in the yard one by one they threw a body from a window and the soul took flight they broke fella's face broke fella's arm broke his heart with that sight mama i'ma miss you and your oceans of smiles i will miss you the sun's in your eyes my mama miss you like the red mr Plyps. yeah i will miss you until i see you again that yeah, was I mean, my coping mechanism yeah and I mean, and you know as a kid as a kid you know I, I would say sometimes it wasn't a bad time for it to happen because sometimes as kids we adjust quicker and we're more flexible. Like, for example, my brother who came with me and was three years older and we had the exact same circumstance, Mm
0: -hmm. he had
1: a much tougher time adjusting. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And Mm -hmm. there are a lot of reasons for that. But I also think part of it is he was, uh, he was, I was young enough to be able to leave a lot of Trinidad behind.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Not all by any means and he was too old to achieve that maneuver and right. so i think for him it it was it was much more difficult cuz crucial ages right they say from 11 to 13 14 that's where you internalize your sense of self and mm-hmm. well-being and that's where you start you get an inner confidence and it solidifies in that moment yeah, um bro. And, and it gets bonded to wherever you are when it happens. And so mm-hmm. for me, it hadn't happened yet. And for him, it had. Right. And so we were on either side of a very crucial developmental divide. Mm-hmm. And, That's interesting. and yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a fascinating thing, but you know, in one way you could say I I've spent my whole life trying to reassemble the pieces that was shattered in that time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and 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 how i've done that has made me the man i am mm-hmm. right
0: now mm-hmm. that's interesting though the um your album uh, saga boy touches on a lot of those themes like um like searching for home family love belonging and i'm sure your book is going to deal with a lot of those aspects as well it's it's interesting because uh, um a lot of our podcast conversations have had, have uh, dealt with very similar conversations um and it seems to be a prevalent theme amongst our our black community here in canada um yeah yeah definitely
1: now how yeah how... well i mean i mean and first let me correct you that the album's called saga king saga king is saga boy
0: sorry yeah sorry.
1: because okay. no that's okay and but it's an important uh opportunity to the reason for that is the you know, the book is kind of the journey of the boy and the the albums, the celebration of the man. So, and I called it King, because it's kind of like the sovereignty of having found your, where you belong and be comfortable in your skin and have a sense of home after losing it. And, and, and I think a lot of black people tell that story on your podcast because that's actually a microcosm of black people being displaced from africa yes. and and always and and basically being strangers in a strange land even though you know we've been here for hundreds of years but yeah. there's still a sense of displacement i yeah. think
0: oh yeah. definitely
1: um not 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 in in small part because you know, there are people vested in making us feel unwell, unwelcome.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah you know, so, so it's hard to feel at home because, you know, like Bob Marley say, you know, like stolen from Africa, <laughs> you know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and, and I think we, we always have that sense of being disconnected from where we've come from. Mm-hmm. And, you and, and we and we have such a, a consistently prejudicial experience with with the with the, the powers that be in the diaspora. It doesn't matter if you're from Brazil. If you're from Brazil or Bucktown Atlanta or or Brooklyn, New York, yeah, or you're... or you know what I mean, like it doesn't matter or Barbados or mm-hmm. or yeah. or what or, or whatever place. You have or Brockville, right? Yeah, or Brockville. It doesn't matter. There's yeah. a con, there's a consistency. That's a lot of bees I came up with. I'm proud of, but you can tell I'm a writer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's a consistency in the experience, and that's why we're all talking about about displacement and a sense of placelessness, a longing for home, a long, a longing for um, belonging you mm-hmm. know like that's why we all have that because we have a consistent experience of of that being taken from us and yeah. so my little microcosm of having my world ripped from me is just a microcosm of 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 what we've all gone through and yeah. and actually historically it's just a, a, a long – in in researching the book mm-hmm. what i found was that you know my people How did we get to Trinidad? Like, I wanted to understand myself. I was having like a midlife crisis. I was was trying on futures like coats that didn't fit. And I was like, oh, you know what? Till I understand the past, I can't understand the future. I can't choose a future. And- And so I thought, oh, I have to understand my past. And then I realized, well, you can't understand yours without understanding your parents. Yeah. And then you can't understand them without understanding their parents, my grandparents. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can't understand them without understanding, well, what are these Black people doing in the middle of the jungle of South America anyway
2: <laughs> on yeah, this yeah, little yeah. island? Yeah, and
1: yeah. what I found was my particular people were stolen from Africa, went to... Um, on mass these villages these families went to were sold in south carolina as slaves right. and then the war of 1812 broke out so what the americans called the second war of independence yeah and then the british said hey come fight for us and mm-hmm. we'll give you freedom and so they ran away at great risk to themselves and mm-hmm. fought Massa for freedom and then when they signed the truce they said well we can't let them stay here because they're just going to be made slaves again so they sent us to uh various places some came to canada and then came to trinidad some went straight to trinidad and they you know Slavery hadn't been abolished in the British Empire yet. That happened in 1832. Mm-hmm. So what they did was they can't tell us apart. So they gave us the most inhospitable piece of land in the middle of the bush. And to this day, there's only one road in there and one road out to this day. And mm-hmm. they kind of abandoned us in the bush there.
0: Yeah.
1: And and so my people came up with a reputation for being very spiritual. Mm-hmm. very resilient and a little bit unhinged a little crazy
2: yeah. <laughs> that's yeah.
1: that's the reputation we had and well, that's where my family came from and so th- this migration of me coming to canada is just one in a long series of displacements and migrations that my family and 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 black families have been faced with forever
2: yeah For, it's, well not
1: forever but since since the europeans
2: landed on the continent of course yeah. it's so, it's it's always been a residual effect which leads to the traumas that we're talking about the displacement not to ju- I'm, I'm basically going to say what you said but the displacement leads to us becoming products of our environment of what we didn't have and what we didn't know, you know? So yeah. we have to sort of find our place, like any black person, any person of color, we're always chosen differently. And the, the identity is something we have to sort of find on our journey. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. The, ju- yeah. the
0: journey is long, it doesn't it's end, uh, you know? Yeah, it's <laughs> interesting from a historical point though, that, that colonialism is a link for all black people in North America. And the, that history that you just outlined is very similar to me and Jay's history of how we, how our people ended up in Nova Scotia, Nova Scotia. It's very similar, very similar. And, and the fact that, um, and the other fact that I found interesting, what you said, they, they chose basically, um, the people that were on the land in Nova Scotia before us were like poor, um, Irish immigrants and things like that, Irish and mm-hmm. Welsh immigrants. So they were given right. the, the really crappy farmland to begin with. And after like, you know, trying to farm the land for 50, 60 years, the Brits come along and say, Hey, well, don't worry. I know you're complaining about this. They 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 sold <laughs> bought the land back and say, Here, here you here you go, uh black loyalists. Yeah. Here's the most <laughs> os, uh, unhospitable land that uh, we can find yeah. in Nova Scotia. Yeah, yeah. it was all <laughs> it was all rock. That's this- Preston, right? Yeah. 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 The story yeah.
1: has the story has a lot of similarities, isn't it? <laughs> it does.
0: It yeah. does. Now now how every every um artist has a different way of channeling their, their creative uh juices though. How how are you able to, you know, make peace with all this, kind of channeling uh the pain and direct it towards your passion of music and writing? What what's what's your process? Yeah.
1: With great difficulty, um, <laughs> I think. I think the problem for me was the problem for me was that to know what you have to say, you kind of have to have a sense of who you are. Right. And but I didn't, and so what I had to say be the 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 message became the medium for for discovering who I who I was. So the music became the medium for discovering myself. So, for example, and I'll make that concrete so people are people people can see what I mean by that. So, you know, I start I, I always felt split between okay, well, are you Trinidadian or are you Canadian?
0: Right.
1: And then, and then I'm black and I came up being black. And so I'm influenced by black culture, but at the same time, I'm living in these places where it's overwhelmingly white. So I'm influenced by white culture. And mm-hmm. in fact, that started before I even left Trinidad because I learned to read by reading the King James Bible. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: And so So in that way, the logic and context of the Queen's English framed the very way I thought and spoke. And when I went to school, we had these little red reader books and they taught us the history of Europe. So at the age of five or six, I could tell, and I was good at it. I learned it very well. So at the age of five or six, I could tell you, um, you know, how long it took uh, Odysseus to get back to Ithaca after the Trojan War yeah. and what happened to him on mm-hmm. the way. But I can not tell you anything about Europa, or West African people, or any of the history I just told you. We were all black and, black, black and brown people. A white mm-hmm. person would have been like a unicorn in where I grew up. Mm-hmm. But when we went to school, everything was European history. Yeah. So wow. Basically what I'm saying is as I, as I start my book, the first line in my book is the queen designed my brain. Right. So the split, the split personality of having a African body and this very colonized white framed, the very boundaries of what I thought was possible was framed by white folks. I, created in me a very split consciousness. And my art became, how do I pull these things together? So I wanted to play blues, but then I was like, but but what about soca? And then I wanted, and then I was playing in punk bands, but I was like, oh, but what about hip hop? Right. And then, mm-hmm. and then I was playing in, you know, and, and so I was playing in soul in a soul band. I had my own soul band and I was like, well, what about these classical forms? And then I, or what about prog rock, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I was always trying to find a way to include the part that was missing mm-hmm. and nothing ever felt right as, as it was presented to me in the world and so i was always taking things that didn't weren't supposed to go together and fitting them together because it didn't feel right if to leave any of it out yeah, it right, didn't right. feel like i i was i was because i was desperate to define myself mm-hmm. right through the music and so it mm-hmm. was like okay well we got this funk and it's bluesy i want to rap on it and mm-hmm. and and we got this punk and we're going to do some screamo and and I wanna I wanna talk some Trini on it, you know, <laughs> yeah. like like that's what I was doing because yeah. I was just like, because for me it wasn't oh I want to get famous it wasn't I, I want to I don't have I, you know it was yeah the juvenile rock star dreams but it was also hey man this is the only place where I feel empowered. To define myself yeah. for myself, yeah. and so my process became, you know, how do the Beatles mesh with most deaf? How do <laughs> you know, like, like Danger Mouse made the album where he put the the black album and J- Jay Z's black album the and gray the Beatles album. white album together, yeah. and I was album. like, that was that was when I was like, yes, okay, this is where I'm hearing me now. Or I played in a band called the Hippie Mafia with some some guys from Manchester who were, you know, somewhere in the Happy Mondays. Um, oh, yeah. These bands where, you, yeah, these bands where, where you know, guys from the Happy Mondays moved to Toronto. You wanted to start a band. I ended up in the band. We ended up touring with, like, you know, the Manchester Millionaire Boys Club, like Liam Gallagher and you know, kicking it with Manny from Stone Roses and stuff like Ooh. that. And, and, but I'm on the stage and I'm talking Gil Scott Heron and, and mm-hmm. I'm talking, you know, I'm talking dub poetry and they gave me license to do that, but I needed to do that. Cause I couldn't just be in a band that sounded like, like a Manchester band I love that music, but that wouldn't be fully me. And so I was always trying to bring whatever was missing into the mix. And that's mm-hmm. what I've always done. And then, so I ended up with mashups and I ended right. up with like, you know, I did I did a record called John Orpheus is Dead and that ended up being sort of equal parts pop, rock, and hip hop, mm-hmm. but not enough of any of those things. Like when mm. I was a youth, they told me, they told me I was too Black to be listening to metal. And then when I got near the, the Black people, they told me that I wasn't Black enough because I was right. listening to metal. And so, <laughs> I, yeah, and so I spent a lot of time going, I don't fit in, I don't see me in any of this but i see parts of it i like so i'm going to put it together in a way that works and speaks for me specifically and a lot of my career my almost my entire music career has been people going this is really great but we have no idea where it fits we know you're selling out shows we know you at one point i even had a top 40 rock radio hit mm-hmm. and they're like yeah but we 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 can't compare you to anything and so therefore we can't work with you mm-hmm. and in a large ways my career i just basically stopped i ignored the industry and then i went into then i started singing in trini and and making music in in the soca dancehall afrobeats realm mm-hmm. because i'd never done that mm-hmm. and and again pushing the sound to express myself cuz we'll right. drop a dancehall tune but it won't really be dancehall. Yeah, we'll yeah. drop a hip hop tune or a funk tune but it won't we'll really, really be, be those things. And I, yeah, and after a while I'm just like, look, it, it what's happened with the book is is people didn't understand the art and the book is about the artist. And once they understand the artist, they were all kind of like, "Oh. Uh-huh. So we don't need to compare you to what's out there. You're just an artist making your own statement. And, and a magical thing happened when that occurred, which is they started taking me on my own terms, right. which right. is where I was the whole damn time. And right. so that's kind of the evolution of my process at a high level um and and the forces that were always driving me like i'm not that dude that looks around and goes oh this style is hot this summer let me make one of those mm. i'm always looking inside and going how can i pull together all the st- things i like and are relevant to today to express what's going on inside, inside. yeah you have to and feel i think it. that's the key yeah yeah Because I'm not doing it. My motives in doing it is to express the totality of my experience. And, and I think that that's a really ambitious and, and some might say foolhardy from a business sense approach, because if I just picked a genre and just did my best to mimic what was happening in that genre, I'm capable of it. But I would be bored. Yeah. I would be bored and I would, would not feel fulfilled and I would give it up. Mm-hmm. And so I have to do music that is uh, that goes to the heart of my experience. And the heart of my experience is that search for a place, that longing for home, that diasporic um, placelessness mm-hmm. and how we cure it that is, that's basically the center of,
2: of my existence. Mm-hmm. With that being said, uh, we met a few years ago at one of your shows at the painted lady. Um, and uh, you knew my friend, Lily, Lily Mason. Um, True. Yeah. Um, we had a conversation and you found yourself sort of stuck musically. You didn't really know where you were going where you were going to go. And this was before sort of the book and. Uh, yeah. Find, um, you know, was there's some, you know, with what you just said to, in order to feel, in order to be, you had to go inside. Was that sort of the transformation you had to make in order to to jump into writing the book, which unleashed you being able to uh, make the music that you made? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean. I remember that
1: conversation well, and you were the only person I was having a lot of conversations in that period because I felt stuck Mm -hmm. and you were the only person that gave me any perspective that made me feel like there was a way out of it. And for me, I think it was the frustration of what I just described to you, Mm -hmm. like imagine spending 20 years becoming really good at doing your thing and despite your certainty that look we're not we're not messing around over here I know that because people keep coming to the shows
0: Yeah, people
1: keep telling us this is moving me but on a business side at some point you know and, and I think all artists go through this it's like you have to have some sort of breakthrough you can't keep doing the same thing over and over and over again mm-hmm. and 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 as grown men we need to have some validation for what we're doing and i wasn't getting that mostly because people the business people were not getting me
0: mm-hmm. yeah the the industry was trying to fit you into that round hole right even though you might be a square peg kind of thing
1: yeah they were just going, well, you know, where do where does this fit? Where does this fit? Where does this fit? And I just felt like, you know, the best musicians in the world don't fit anywhere. Like, where does Miles Davis fit? Where does Bob Marley fit? Yeah, yeah. Where does Most death fit?
2: They were right? ahead of their time. They are, you know, and ahead of their time. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I knew and I knew that and there was something about the way and it's partly a Canadian thing, but it's partly just the way the industry has become where unless we've seen it somewhere be successful, we don't we we can't sign on to help make it successful, mm-hmm. which is a catch 22. But that's a stupid thing, because there's already a Bob Marley and a most deaf and yeah. a and a you know so mm-hmm. and and those people didn't didn't become great artists because they were mimicking something some what someone else was doing. They became great artists because they looked inside and expressed themselves and they innovated and right. so I knew they were wrong, yeah, but I didn't know how to break through right and you- and so. And so I felt a, a disconnection from the art. The business wore down my passion for the creativity. Yeah. And, and to be honest, when I wrote the book, I didn't know if I was going to make more music. Right. Like, to be honest, I was thinking about quitting for years.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh.
1: Oddly enough, while I was making some of the best music of my life, I was oh. like, the creativity was off the chains, but I was like, yo this creativity is off the chains but i'm not feeling any kind of progress and so i was exhausted Mm -hmm. it's it's demoralizing and exhausting and Mm. and i think you know a lot of musicians go through that even ones that are trying to do whatever is hot at the moment yeah um and and so i said you know what i'm gonna write this book
2: yeah I
1: dropped everything. I just said, I'm gonna make this book happen. And when the book was done and it was getting ready to come out, I su- I had to do such a deep dive into myself that I realized, man, you got a lot of stuff you need to say yeah, that can yeah. only be said musically right now. Mm-hmm. And now the passion is rekindled. Honestly, you look like me, I can see me in your eyes. Honestly, you're wild and free. You look cute when you smile. Yeah. Little Trinity boy, it was Juve Morn. Wake up with the sun and the word that was born in the rum and the mud and the oil on the skin. And we run through the night, through the ages of sin. And go back to the slaves and the chains. Like our hood devils calling with names sucking on the vein the rain spraying the blood drain and we were eating mangoes and we had a pair of goats grandma knew the angles, the old testament she'd quote you look cute when you you look cute when you And now the connection with the art becomes primary again, as opposed to the frustration with the business.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's a testament of uh, finding your voice. And I think it's also a testament of making peace or even exploring those things that you do have to explore. I know for me during the pandemic, I I love poetry I love expressing myself through words as well and I write constantly during the pandemic I have millions of verses literally you know what I mean but uh it 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 opened up the door to finding out who I am finding what hurts me what I feel but and and I find it so empowering to to able to find that voice and to hear that voice and to be able to say things along with that voice because it's a voice that's always been there. And um I just want to know for you do you think that led was that bridging the gap from writing the book to your music? Like once you were able to sort of find that certain vulnerability did it did it open up those doors for you again in order for you to come become from a boy to a king, you know what i mean?
1: <laughs> yeah, most definitely. I think that I think that's the proverbial nail on the head right there. Mm-hmm. Um I the vulnerability is the key to understanding, to connection, to strength. Like people think, you know, if you're vulnerable, then that means you're weak, but in fact vulnerability is is the pathway to bonding with each other to having a deeper relationship Mm -hmm. with anyone but but the most the primary relationship we have in our lives is the one with ourselves Mm -hmm. and so being able to to go into those places that I was afraid to go deepen my understanding and my self-awareness and my my sense of what story I was living and how I wanted to write it. And suddenly, that future that I couldn't see, all those coats I was trying on, became very clear. Mm-hmm. And once you have that clarity, now it's like very easy to see what needs to be said and, and how it needs to be said. And, and yeah. that's where the album, Saga King, came from. And that clarity, that becomes your sense of place.
0: Yeah,
1: That becomes, your home. That becomes the healing of the displacement that happened at the beginning when I'm 11. And and that's been happening to Black people all along. Mm -hmm. The healing comes from the clarity to see things as they are, the courage to you know, again, accept what you can and change what you, accept what you can't change and change what you can. And then the, and, and then the compassion to do it with, with to lead with our heart in that journey, Mm, which I think is, 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 is something that's often missing. And these are the things that I got from being vulnerable and from going inside and And those were the rewards of it. And I felt I came back very rooted, very grounded, very um, very clear, yeah. very strong,
2: less weight. very
1: much like, yeah, where I was kind of like, yeah, I, I don't need anyone in in the industry. What I need to do is just make do my thing, yeah, and get it out. And because the reason I was I'm doing it is was never for them. It Mm -hmm. was for me. And then the odd thing, of course, is when you start ignoring the audience, that's when they start paying attention to you.
0: (laughs) And and so,
1: (laughs) so as soon as I said that and started proceeding, suddenly, you know, exclaim says my album's one of the top 20 anticipated of the year, right next to Drake. And Mm -hmm. suddenly uh, complex Canada wants to do a profile and words and music and all of these different places, but, you know, I don't blame them. Mm-hmm. I think they just didn't get it until they read the book and suddenly they were like, ah, now we understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also the co of Penguin Random House giving me the book deal and the platform to, to tell my story suddenly made all the music press sort of realize, oh, there's mm-hmm. something Part of it is they're like, yes, we recognize that something is happening here that we didn't quite get before. Part of it is I've gotten better at my craft. And part of it is people, it's just a better story. So people want to write about it. But the combination of those things meant that suddenly I was relevant.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah it's so funny vulnerability is such <laughs> it's vulnerability is such power and uh, once you tell your story and people start to see it yeah, they, yeah. They, they 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 see they love a sort of underdog story you know what i mean in the yeah. sense yeah that, and and the understory underdog story itself is actually you becoming yourself yeah. <laughs> you know it's it, it yeah. really has nothing to do with of course there are circumstances that make you who you are but yeah. those circumstances being able to work through them and fight through them the underdog story the throne that you want to sit on is you you yeah. sitting down yeah, yeah. Knees, you know yeah and um
1: maturity maturity isn't becoming someone new it's being accepting the person you always uh, were yeah. that yeah, is the were. throne yeah, yeah. true yeah. Those are the things they will praise you for one day,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so be radically you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Strong words. What,
1: whatever it is that makes you you and defines you, what what however it is, don't 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 allow anyone to take that from you, because yeah. in fact that is the great gift that that you have to offer. Yeah, yeah. and so be radically you, yeah. because the only only thing any of us have to offer is who we are
0: that's true true. and whatever
2: you resist will persist anyway so
0: you can't
2: hide right (laughs) yeah
0: awesome thank you very much john that was awesome man snap clap (laughs) yeah
1: thank you guys for having me man i appreciate y'all i feel like it's so uplifting to see brothers uh coming together to try to Enlighten and build self awareness and build connection. I feel like uh, you guys are inspiring to me. Um, I'm proud of what you're doing. And if I can help in any way, um, like consider me. I'd be honored if y'all consider me an ally
2: to the cause. Oh, uh, for sure. That's awesome. Thank you, Thank you very you. much, man. We really appreciate that. Definitely. Well, John, uh, it's been a pleasure for you to share a uh, song, share your soul, uh, share what you've been up to share your wisdom, your history, and giving us a little bit of a history lesson as well. Um, I think we all learn from each other when we share with each other. The best moments are the moments that are shared, Um, you know, and we have a little bit of history like that. Derek and I go way back and now we're sharing this moment right now. Um, So everybody, uh, you know, this guy's out there, he's singing and, uh, he's, he's, he's writing and, uh, you can check out his book, Saga Boy. Um, and, uh, also his accompanying album called Saga King. So, um, we just want to thank you for being on down home and and sharing what you have to share with the world. It's important. So keep up the good work, man. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Thank you. Blessings, brothers. Derek J, my
2: pleasure.
0: You have been listening to Down Home. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You to you listen to podcasts. The songs fella awoke and you look cute when you smile. Our courtesy of John Orpheus and can be found on his album Saga King. Now it's time
2: to flex with the force from the soul, reaching all aspects, getting deep, no time to sleep. As you reach your next phase, laying it all on the line, new trail start to blaze. It's a fire inside, a brand new path, breaking down the
0: sum to one song, breaking new ground from the breakdown connection
2: so strong transcribe with the vibe like magic prescribe only see the perfect blend like a diamond in the rough